to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome, everybody. Wanted to jump in here, of course, and go over a number of different things. I want to um, make a couple of quick announcements here real quick for this week. Episode today, there's going to be an episode on Wednesday, not on Friday, for rather obvious reasons. Um, hope everybody has a good Christmas and a good uh, holiday break. And then there will be an episode the following Monday. Uh, there's a number of different things, of course, happening, and too many, frankly, in order to uh, to dive into each individual topic as, as deep as I would like to go. But I just want to read a series of headlines here, and I want to start off by saying this again before I get into a couple of articles a little more specifically, but the headlines themselves are just so telling. If anybody gets on the any search engine, in not well, not any search engine, but most search engines that are that are viable to some extent, DuckDuckGo, StartPage, SwissCows. If you take off the moderation search option and you you completely take off the safe search to where it just says off, uh, then your search, of course, opens up to more viable things. And you can, of course, change the different words that you're searching. But if you type in schools closed or schools closing, a combination of, of those two words, the entire list of stories, all for the most part, has to do with COVID and illness as a result of, you know, the, the jabs. I mean, it's all about the shots. And countless individuals and countless schools, I should say, including colleges and universities, have just closed sooner than usual. And they're going to stay closed longer than usual. And they're not coming back as quickly as they would, uh, you know, in January for the most part. This again, they're blaming it on COVID when it's really the jabs and the compromised immune systems that, of course, exist as a result. The other thing, of course, which is remarkably interesting and is, I think, it's going to sound, um, well, it's certainly conspiratorial in my opinion, uh, and, and we, we can't dismiss this, I don't think, as a, as, a, as a viable option as to why this would actually take place, but the business of these TikTok trends consistently occurring that, uh, you know, somebody writes something on a bathroom wall because TikTok told them to, and it says that they're going to shoot up the school. Or a bomb threat gets made because somebody on TikTok started a trend that says, you know, do this across your schools and then the schools will close. I have no doubt that schools are taking some of those things seriously. And then, of course, there are other schools that are not. Um, one particular very small district, and I had this verified again by our uh, former New Mexico school teacher, one, one very small school district in New Mexico closed for the remainder of the year here uh, because of these alleged uh, TikTok trend violence-related threats, apparently, that, that are bouncing around the internet. Um, my point with this is that it wouldn't shock me if school administrators were using this TikTok thing as an excuse to close when, in fact, they know that they have staff shortages because they're all jabbed and the staff are not showing up as frequently as they, as they would be otherwise if they weren't jabbed. And countless students are out because they are actually sick and they are actually jabbed. So my point is, is again, much like the giant water main breakage and the electrical outages and our, our teachers are tired, quote unquote. It wouldn't surprise me for one, for one second 
to continuously use another excuse um, as a reason to to close these schools when in fact all sites are pointed directly at the jabs being the reason why countless individuals are sick. And we've known this again for almost a year now that this is in fact the case. We've known longer than that that this was going to be the rollout for many of us. And people are continuously waking up on a day in and day out basis, which again is a good thing. But I just wanted to put that out there because, again, the list of excuses that are going to be used as to as to why schools are closing is really going to be endless. And uh, all they have to do, again, they themselves, the left, you know, the 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 terrorists that be, so to speak, all they have to do is start trending something on TikTok or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, just to scare people. And get people riled up for one reason or another to basically divert attention away from the fact that it's the shots that are that are maiming people and X Y Z. And again, it's not the shots in any of these headlines or articles that are being mentioned as the culprit. But what they're consistently saying is, is well, ninety seven percent of us are jabbed, and ninety eight percent of us are jabbed, and almost a hundred percent of the staff population within this school building and student population within this school building or campus are jabbed. But we can't, for the you know life of us, figure out why everybody's getting sick. So they're not connecting the dots because again, they're so deep in this lie and this psychological manipulation that I don't think they can dig themselves out. So I just wanted to read some of these. Um, some of these headlines here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, first of all, uh, very close to where I live in the Cincinnati area, a Cincinnati school district had two high school students die within a week. Uh, one of them, a female, died right in her sleep. The other male, again, collapsed, apparently died. And again, they're not saying why. But think of the last time when you, when you heard that happen. When have you ever heard that you know, happening? Again, teenagers dying as they are high school or middle school students, is typically an accident. It's a car accident. It's a drug overdose. Um, it's, it's some accident-related thing. It, it, again, teenagers don't just die in their sleep. That, that typically does not happen. There was a story here from a while back, too, from Just the News, that described Tennessee lawmakers filing a bill to stop funding students in the United States who are illegals. Again, the simple fact that that even has to be an actual law is an abomination. Um, there's another one here from redvoicemedia.com. Teacher declares lesbian status in front of each of her classes. And there's video footage of this. I'm not going to play it, but that right there again just shows the mental instability of a number of different people who are entering this K-12 profession and thinking that their classroom is a counselor's office or a psychiatrist's office and they use their students as sort of their 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 audience or their their backdrop their psychological backdrop to lay their problems on and their or their own revelations on rather than just teaching a subject matter and it's really disgusting another one here from fox business says heart inflammation cases among 5 to 11 year old kids in particular among those that receive the COVID-19 shots, is up. At least they admit it. The problem is, is that they're not making the connection um, that these are deadly, and they very quickly, I might add, pass off the fact that heart damage is permanent and deadly. 
again, they just say, well, they were diagnosed with myocarditis, but then they're quickly treated and they feel better. Myocarditis is a death sentence. Nine years, I believe, is, is typically the going rate for individuals tops, nine years tops, for an individual who is diagnosed with that heart condition. So this business, again, of, well, they'll just feel better or, you know, it can easily be treated. No, that's, that's not the way that this works. It is, in fact, a death sentence. Um, there's no repairing that. That is, that is permanent damage. There's another one here from the Gateway Pundit. And it was titled, Maryland County Public Schools Go Back to Virtual Learning Amid COVID Surge. Again, just one more example of a school closing because of a quote-unquote COVID surge. But it's not that. It's the jab surge, and it's the vaccine autoimmune deficiency syndrome that is coming about as a result of being jabbed. There's another one here. This comes from harbingersdaily.com. Again, completely unrelated, but twisted nonetheless regarding K-12 schools. I can't believe this is continuing to happen either. Uh, Los Angeles schools host an LGBT club for four-year-olds who promote two-spirit sexuality and child mutilation. I'm not even going to get into that article. Um, Anybody can look it up and and read it for themselves. It's remarkably telling, I think, and absolutely horrible. There's no reading, writing, and arithmetic going on here. It's full-blown brainwashing by watching trans, just a bunch of trannies talk to your kids over a computer. It's absolutely awful. Uh, There are two articles here, however, that were tossed my way from Jesse James, the host of Dangerous Info Podcast. And again, he lives very close to the Oxford Michigan school shooting where that took place. And there's a, uh, these two articles I think are, are telling because anytime you give a school official the opportunity to open up their mouth about something for which they themselves had nothing to do with, but they feel the need to comment on it, they always give themselves away and they actually expose their bigger agenda here. And I, again, I wanted to read this because it is very, very telling. Um, and awful. But this particular superintendent really outs himself. And this article comes from bridgemi.com, and it's titled Opinion, Oxford Shooting, Don't Blame High School for Following State Rules. Now, keep in mind, this is a different superintendent who happens to also live in Michigan, but this is not the superintendent who is associated with the Oxford School District there. It says the following, quote, as a superintendent in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, I'm concerned that school officials in Oxford may be judged unfairly, considering the laws and regulations that cover Michigan's schools. It was inevitable that following the horrific shooting in Oxford High School, that a search for folks and systems to blame would begin. With the lawsuit being brought against the district, we have entered this stage of the aftermath of the tragedy. If we are to be fair, however, it is vital that we examine the realities faced by Michigan's public schools. Ask any school leader about the regular pendulum swings regarding schools, and you'll likely get two earfuls. In the span of my career, we've gone from mandating zero-tolerance policies to current requirements on schools to take all possible steps to keep from suspending and expelling students. Now, first of all, 
This, these are the words written by Lou Steigerwald, who is a superintendent of Norway Vulcan Area Schools in the Upper Peninsula. And it says, the views he expresses here are his own, not that of his school district. First of all, he's the superintendent. Most superintendents don't write open opinion letters like this. They tend not to. In fact, the vast majority of them would never take a risk like this. So he was either put up to this or he was allowed to do this in order to cover for a number of different people. Now again, this last little paragraph here before I read his entire thing, which I will read. He again says, quote, In the span of my career, we've gone from mandated zero-tolerance policies to the current requirements on schools to take all possible steps to keep from suspending and expelling students. You've heard me say it a million times on this podcast. That right there is, in fact, the biggest problem. However, he's running cover for many of the individuals who are involved here and saying, hey, look, they followed the law. You don't have to like the policy or the rules or the laws, but that's just the way that it is. To that, I say, no, that's not true. That's not true. In every single school district, there is a process for expelling students. You have to communicate with parents and make it very clear to them. And I've said this, in, I've said this so many times since I'm, I'm blue in the face. You create an exit packet or something like that. I'm giving it the name an exit packet. But it's a packet that you hand parents and the child, in particular the ones that have already gone through numerous discipline policies or processes, so to speak, where they've broken the rules time and time again, and countless chances have been given to these students. But it has to reach a point where you hand them something and you say, look, you can't come here anymore. You just can't come here anymore. And so we're going to give you this packet. It's loaded with information on how your child can teach themselves in the comfort of your own home. But you can't come here anymore because it's just too dangerous for people. We don't trust your child to handle themselves appropriately, by themselves, or around other people. And ultimately, as the school district, ladies and gentlemen, they have the final say. They always have the final say. So again, this nonsense of, well, you need to be equitable, and you need to be diverse, and sustainability, and sustain their presence in the school building, all of that is nonsense. All of it is garbage. You can kick them out whenever you want. You build your case, though, as a school district. The problem is, is that they're not just not building a case against countless students. They're letting these cases get deleted. And then, of course, as they did in this particular case, they sent them straight back to school. They sent them straight back to class. Now, again, if it was true, and by the way, I got a second little sidebar here. I saw the parents. Um, not just being arraigned, but having their their court dates set, or you know, a, a particular step in the legal process when they um, were moved into the courtroom in front of the judge here uh, in person. And I got to tell you, it was I thought it was absolutely unbelievable and heartbreaking. These two parents, again, I'm I'm not saying they're the best parents in the world, but they should not be in shackles. I mean, they were in shackles, like they were actually the people who pulled the trigger in this case. I just thought that I was, I, I thought it was beyond absurd. The prosecutor and, and clearly the governor, and they have all the backing of the deep state and the whole thing to go after these parents to send a clear 
crystal clear message just to endless parents all across the United States, again, that if your child does something illegal, they're coming after you, in particular if it involves a weapon of some kind, in particular a gun. I just thought it was awful because I thought to myself, the wrong people are in shackles. Those parents are in shackles, and yet we have to wake up every single day and watch Hillary Clinton's face on television. Those parents are in shackles, but Gretchen Whitmer, who killed God knows how many elderly people in all of those nursing homes back in 2020, um, is absolutely astonishing to me. I, I mean, it, it surprises me, but it doesn't. Again, they're coming after, they're coming after individuals who, you know, forget to buckle their seatbelts, but they're letting pedophiles go free. It, it blows me away. But anyway, I want to get back to this article here before I keep going off on a rant. It says the following, quote, under the current pressure not to remove kids from school settings. Notice how often he says the word kids, too. They're students, you dumbass. They're students. They're not your children. They're not government's children. It says the personnel at Oxford likely made the best decision they could make. Oxford counselors were faced with a student who reportedly had no prior disciplinary record and with the parents who reportedly resisted cooperating with the school to the point of leaving the school building and refusing to take their child with them. Again, he's running cover for them. That's what this, that's what this superintendent's doing. An outside superintendent, I might add. He says, counselors were then left with a child who had, to, who had made and written upsetting remarks, but who appeared calm. He had an interest in guns, and school officials would later learn that there was at least one gun in his home. However, those facts alone are not in any way unique in American culture. Although, this particular, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And he, he uses the word American culture again, almost like he doesn't want to be a part of it. It continues here. It says, uh, children are surrounded by images of guns on television, in movies, and in video games. I'm not blaming these realities for what happened. Rather, I am indicating that there's an interest in guns and guns being present in a home can hardly be considered unusual considering our society. Oh, I, see, again, you can just hear the disdain in, uh, in his voice as he's sort of re, you know, writing this down. Well, it's our society, and that's just the way that it is, and I don't like it, and it's American culture, and guns, guns, guns. This guy's a nutbag. Most superintendents tend to be. Uh, he continues, go ahead and imagine if a legislator were to pass a law requiring schools to remove any student who showed an interest in guns. Now consider recent requirements on schools to not suspend or expel students for fear of retribution from the state. Schools are now required to use removal from a school setting as only the last resort and are further required to walk through a checklist of considerations before suspending a student. Of course. Well, of course they are. You can't look at a student on a one-time offense, although you could, but you don't. You can't anymore. You build the case. You build a case. The very moment a student is suspended for any reason whatsoever, you'd better start taking up a serious case to remove that student permanently. But that doesn't happen. Like I said, they'll say, well, that was a one-time offense. Let's delete it. Let's get it off the record as quickly as we can. When they, when in reality, what they should be doing is again doubling down on being hawkish on that particular student. In particular, if they're violent, or they have a a, a weapons record, or they have a a drug record, or a sex related record, or whatever it may be, they need to start. 
pushing these particular cases as often as they can. But again, they don't. They tend not to. They usually just let it slide or it takes the forefront in their conscience you know, it, immediately as soon as it happens, and then it just takes a back seat and they get on to something else. And that's, that's really the danger here. It says, oh yeah, he continues to write, he says this, consider further that it's not unusual for adolescents or even younger students to say stupid things. Imagine the fifth grader on the playground who becomes upset by something and tells a peer. I'm going to kill you, quote, or even shoot you, unquote. Should this student be expelled? Well, no. But what should happen is, is there should be a process, and even that process isn't played out appropriately. You immediately scoop that student up after hearing about that. You bring them into an office with a resource officer. You call the parents. You have the parents show up. You monitor the student in that particular office as long as it takes. You never let them go back to class. You confiscate their belongings. You get the parents eventually to come to the school. You sit them all down in the same room and you say, this kid said this. We're suspending them. We're now starting a case to remove them from this school permanently. And this district permanently. That usually gets the attention of most parents, as it should, and it should get the attention of the student as well, that you can't run around saying things or drawing things like that or whatever. Again, we have freedom of expression and we have the First Amendment. I fully get it. But in an environment like that, if any comments like that are reported and made, then they, yeah, they need to be taken seriously. Um, but expelled right out of the gate for something like that? No, but you get the ball rolling because now you have a record on such a student. He continues and he says, take this step further and let the student be a special education student. Such an outburst by such a student might be considered a manifestation of the child's disability. If so, the school will be required by law to return the student to the classroom. Again, this right here is a purposeful design in education law, so to speak, I'm using finger quotes, to make schools more dangerous when they use the phrase or the saying, a manifestation of the child's disability. Any school teacher who's listening to this knows exactly what that means, and it means cutting countless uh, excuses and rationalizations for a child's behavior. Just because they're a psychopath, and they happen to be a registered special education student with an IEP or a 504 or what have you. It basically gives them carte blanche to just say and do whatever they want almost all of the time. I'm actually not being sarcastic with that. That's an actual thing that happens all of the time, and it's awful. It's these kinds of students that have to be removed from school buildings permanently. And this is also one of the reasons why, unfortunately, you have countless individuals who are 18, 19 years old and are seniors in high school is because, again, they are protected under all of these special education rules and regulations and laws that the school can't really get rid of them because, quote-unquote, they're still trying to get their education even though they might have a criminal record or even though um, they're continuing to threat individuals within the, you know, within the environment. They just chalk it up to a manifestation of their disability. So that's what the word psychopath now becomes. Well, they're a psychopath, so you know they just need to go back to class because we can't do anything about it. Again, that's not true. They can always do something about it. 
they're just choosing not to. They're not they're not choosing to take it to the next step, which again is filing a police report. School school officials could do that if they wanted to. They tend not to, but they could. They could file police reports against students, and it's something that should happen more frequently. Um it continues, if there's a zero tolerance mandate for such utterances, the state of Michigan better be required to figure out how to educate a rather large number of children who will be barred from school buildings. Young people are often quick to anger over things adults would not be upset by and to then utter empty threats toward others. Again, this superintendent is cutting excuses for these kinds of negative behaviors. He says, we recognize this is a reality of developmentally immature behavior. Oxford personnel were faced with a set of choices that have largely been prescribed by laws and mandates on schools. Schools everywhere in Michigan are faced with the same requirements, except for the one big one that did not happen, which was searching the kids' belongings. That was the deadly mistake. That was the mistake. And it was a big one. It was the biggest mistake that was made. Sending him back to class was a huge error. They could have kept the kid in an office all day long by himself to just sit there, but they should have checked all of his belongings also, and that didn't happen. He continues and he says, Oxford counselors faced a calm student who had an interest in guns, which is in no way unique in America. Irresponsible and defensive parents, again, not unique. And a set of laws and requirements that favored returning the child to the classroom. Again, see what he's doing here? He's running cover. He's blaming parents, calling them irresponsible and defensive. This is what, this is what these administrators do. It's a lockstep process. Don't accept any responsibility. Certainly don't blame the school officials or the counselors or the resource officers or anybody like that. Don't do that. And I've been over again why those counselors probably didn't get resource officers involved in the past. I've mentioned that before. They have this need to sort of micromanage and handle every situation themselves as much as they possibly can, and it's not their responsibility to do so. But again, so many of them are hard leftists that they actually believe that they can solve everyone's problems. Huge mistake. He wraps it up and he says the following, quote, I want to be clear, this is not an anti-gun screed. Many Americans hunt responsibly. I have guns in my own home with trigger locks. No, you don't. Nobody uses trigger locks. Nobody uses trigger locks. That doesn't happen. Because then you've got to get into a trigger lock and you've got to unlock that. In particular, if it's a gun for self-defense. If you know what you're doing, you don't need trigger locks. It's absurd. I'm not saying people don't use them. I, I said no one uses them. I'm sure someone does. I don't know who. I have yet to meet a person that uses trigger locks. Anyway, he says, and have taught my children how to handle firearms responsibly. So see, this person is painting themselves as a model citizen. Instead, my intent is for folks, and he calls us folks, so you know he's a leftist, to be able to judge the school personnel in Oxford fairly while considering the realities required of schools. If we want different decisions in the future, schools need different mandates and guidelines. And that's the end of the article. This guy's a nut. He looks like a nut. He looks like a feckless weasel. And the fact is, is that he's running cover. Again, he's just making excuses. If you don't like the system, well then find another system or there need to be more laws or more regulations. No, no, more government is not the answer. It's always less. 
and then being able to immediately fire the individuals that don't have common sense. All they had to do was check the kids' belongings, and they couldn't even bring themselves to do that. Huge problem. And this next thing that I want to read again was tossed to me by Jesse James, and this is a email or letter that went out regarding the steps moving forward, so to speak, from the school board president. It says, quote, Dear Wildcat Nation, our hearts and prayers are with the entire Wildcat community as we continue to grieve and begin to heal from this horrific tragedy. Our community has been shaken to its core during this tragedy, and I want the entire Wildcat Nation to know we are with you. Sidebar. I, 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 I gotta tell you, um, I'm not a big mascot guy. I'm not a big rah rah re kick him in the knee guy. School spirit, blah blah blah. I've never been that kind of a person. Okay, I've always I've always wanted to view school and always hoped that school would just be about again reading, writing, and arithmetic, teaching them how to be again learners, lifelong learners. That's all. All of this. Well, we're we're wildcat nation and. Uh, you know, we're all in this together and all of that stuff. Sorry, if other people were in charge, and I'm sure there were countless people in that school building who would have done a thousand things differently. So no, you're not all in this together. It's not, we're all, you know, we're all one nation. We're all blah, blah, blah. No, no. There were countless missteps that were made in this entire situation and associating yourself with these organizations and these school districts by, again, claiming we're all in this together and all that other lingo that's similar to that is a huge mistake. People need to disassociate uh, themselves from this school district. That's my opinion. But again, it's like any other school district. If they're breaking the law and breaking policy and and they just lack common sense, why on earth would you want to be on that quote-unquote team? I, I, I don't get it. Um, and I again, you've heard me bring that up before, the business of the phrase team player. Well, you're not a team player then. Apparently, you're not a team player. I certainly wouldn't be. I would not be a team player with this, with this group of, uh, of numbskulls that engaged in countless missteps that cost people their lives. Uh, The letter continues. It says, on behalf of the Oxford Community Schools Board of Education and the board president, I wanted to provide an update on the actions taken uh, at our Board of Education meeting on Tuesday, December 14th. First, our board voted unanimously to support Superintendent Tim Throne's call for a third-party review of the horrific tragedy that took place. This review will help provide transparency and accountability for our Wildcat community and help us emerge better and stronger. Again, he throws the two words in there that are the kiss of death, transparency and accountability. That usually means when a person says that they are going to do those two things, that they're going to do the opposite. They're going to do whatever they have to do to protect themselves and get their way. Continues, it says this review will be a blue ribbon style commission. No one says that. Again, no, no, no one says that. No one uses the phrase blue ribbon style. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds dumb and irresponsible and childish. Uh, This isn't a horse racing contest among children. There's no blue ribbons. That looks in uh, in totality at our schools today, what is asked of our people, our guiding policies, and how we can do better. It will look at our entire system as communities like Parkland and others have done when facing similar experiences. 
My God, ladies and gentlemen, I told you, didn't I say it? it? They're just, they're using this opportunity to rewrite the entire book. And it's not going to be rewritten in a better way or a more freedom and independent way. It's going to continue to strangle countless people and uh, even good people who work in these environments. It's just going to continue to strangle them with bullshit professional development, more indoctrination. Uh, I'm sure the word white supremacy will get tossed out somewhere along the way and thrown around that it's a white problem and a division problem and it's not equitable and social justice this and social justice that. It's, uh, it's ridiculous. But can't let a good crisis go to waste. They really can't. They got to milk this one for all it's worth. Uh, blah, 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 blah. It says, we will continue to work out the details of how and when this review will take place. Please know that we are seeking and including feedback from students, families, and greater school, and the greater school, well, no, it just says, and greater school community. You will be part of the process alongside with us. And we are committed to doing this in the most thoughtful and sensitive way possible that allows our community to move forward. It says the board also unanimously approved an alternate timeline for our search for the next Oxford Community Schools superintendent. As Superintendent Throne has announced, he is postponing his retirement in order to see the community through this tragedy. What I find funny about that is that people actually think that they want this superintendent around. Who wants this numbskull around anymore? The guy lied in his opening press briefing by saying that this kid never had any discipline policy or you know discipline action uh, regarding him in the in the past. That apparently that wasn't true. They did all they could. The staff members did all they could to uh, make sure that everybody was safe and uh, nobody messed up. That's basically all he said, and none of that was true. Um, again, he's trying to save face here. He's trying to protect his image the best he can by again saying, I'm not leaving until the right thing is done. All you had to do was the right thing on day one with not lying and encouraging the board to take harder stances against students who show any sign of violence whatsoever. But they don't do this, ladies and gentlemen. I've been over this at length. These individuals, all of these school officials, teachers, administrators, pick one. It does not matter. These people are not trained appropriately or educated appropriately on what causes violence in school. I'm the guy who's written endless books on this subject. And the problem is, is when you start cracking open the school environment, it is the school environment itself that is to blame. The very design, makeup, hiring practices, personnel, lack of education, the list goes on and on and on. Divisive tactics that are used in a classroom, divisive tactics that are used in the entire school environment. Pep rallies, sporting events. I've been through all of it. I've been through every single possible angle that could actually exist in the books that I've written. But these people aren't educated in any of that, and they don't want their comfortable delusion shattered. Because if their comfortable delusion gets shattered, and they look backwards over the course of their career, they're going to see that they have actually been screwing up this entire time. That they've been doing nothing but implementing bad policy and believing things that are not real by perpetuating the status quo. 
It also includes this big red box around this. He included it says, quote, moving forward, we are enacting a zero tolerance policy regarding violent content of any kind, whether in word, deed or on social media. In addition, students who engage in threatening behavior of any kind or are found with violent images, words, or online activity either on or off school grounds will be required to undergo a rigorous threat assessment with law enforcement personnel and mental health professionals consistent with state laws. Now, I have a, and this is a double edged sword here, and there's a couple of sides to this coin. I have a problem with this to some extent because it's more mass surveillance and, again, anonymous reporting on events that are not serious happens all of the time for the sole purpose of retribution. If a student wants to get back at another student, all they have to do is lie about it. Lie to administrators about what a student has done, and then that student's life gets flipped upside down. I think that's remarkably unfair and it has no place in such environments. But that right there, again, and this practice right here that they're actually engaging in could create more violence. However, if they're now enacting a zero tolerance policy regarding social media posts, why didn't they take the social media posts seriously beforehand when the school principal apparently came over the PA system and actually said, stop coming to us with this kid's social media posts because we, we don't believe that there's a threat here and stop bringing this to our attention. If the principal actually came over the PA system and said that, well, then this, this new policy basically makes him incompetent. It makes them all incompetent because they could have enacted any of these quote-unquote zero-tolerance policies anytime they wanted, but they didn't, did they? They had to wait until four kids got killed. It wraps up by saying this, as we all take our holiday break, please do not... Uh, hesitate to reach out to me with questions, concerns, and feedback. Please take the time to be with your families and get much needed rest. Our Board of Education looks forward to hearing from you. No, they don't. This school board doesn't want to hear from anybody involved. They don't want to hear from any of the concerned parents. They don't want to hear from any of the concerned students. They don't want to hear from anybody. That's the last thing that they want to hear. If you want to watch a school board meeting, on YouTube, and they actually air this particular school district's, the Oxford, Michigan school district's school board meetings on YouTube, that would be the one to watch. Watching those public comments from the public address the board in their next school board meeting regarding this, that will be the one to watch. I bet fireworks like nobody's business will, will, will ex just explode. I mean, there's, if it didn't already, of course, happen in the last one. Um, it's just it's ridiculous again these school board uh, these school board members are not trained in qualitative reasoning and analysis if they were really interested in gathering the opinions and the takes and, and the uh you know and any different angle that that a parent or student or employee heaven forbid they actually ask employees what they think they're not going to do that either um but there's no way that they're properly trained to print off all of the responses that they get back regarding multiple issues, lay them all out, read them all, and then create trends that they can see in what's being said and what's not being said and say, well, the vast majority of the parents are saying that we should do this. So can we do this? Or can you know we come over here and do this? Many of them are saying we should try this. They just aren't trained in any of that research data gathering 
uh, any of those systems that take place. They, they they aren't trained to do it. So all they're doing in this business of saying, please email us and let us know what you think. They're, they're saying that because they have to. They're not saying it because they actually give a damn. They're saying it because they have to. They've already told you, again, in this letter, what they plan on doing. And that's basically just amping up the workload for their administrators to engage more students regarding discipline and investigate more things. Ladies and gentlemen, there's there's going to be more violence in these school environments, not less. Again, if you're not firing incompetent people and you're not sending a stronger message throughout the entire the entire employed staff there that not reporting and failure to report and at the exact same time administrative missteps that don't take these things seriously, um, then nothing will change. Everything will go back to the exact same way that it was before. In fact, I would give it probably six months to maybe a year and everything will basically just fall right back into normal. It'll be like nothing ever even happened. Because again, comfort and normality, so to speak, is, is, is what these school districts want. They don't want to consistently harp on the past. They want to do whatever they can to forget it as quickly as humanly possible. So like I said, they'll plant a tree. They'll erect a statue. Um, they may give like a little remembrance ceremony every year. But keep in mind who was really at fault. It was the school administrators. It was the school counselors. It was anybody who was involved who knew of what could potentially happen, and they swept it under the rug. That's the biggest problem here. And that's, that's not going to change going forward, and it's too bad. It's really unfortunate. So with that said, a couple other things here. This was also tossed to me uh, by a fellow patriot on Gab. Excellent article. Again, falls right in line with other things that are going on, jab-related. Uh, Cornell University, this comes from Yahoo News, Cornell University has over 900 new COVID cases and a very high percentage are Omicron variant. First of all, they don't know that. Second of all, Cornell University is closed for the remainder of the year, including through final exams and into January, because they're all jabbed. And they're all sick because of the jab. It's that simple. <laughs> I mean, it's just that simple. I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know what else to say here. Um, one of the un other unfortunate things I should say, and this is happening in particular in New Orleans, and I want to play this quick audio clip. Uh, New Orleans has gone full-blown Bolshevik. Now they are mandating as a city vaccine passports for 5 to 11-year-olds. Let that sink in. Five to 11-year-olds can't get places unless they have a vaccine passport. So here's this lady uh, from the, apparently, uh, I don't know if she's the mayor of New Orleans, but she's certainly associated with the city council or the city in some capacity. But listen to what she says, because this, again, sounds like a nightmare. And if you live in New Orleans, frankly, I would move if I was you. Today we are announcing just a few adjustments to the guidelines that are currently in place. Dr. Vegno is going to give you a real detailed uh, presentation on the data. As you know, we've always followed the data and science as we've responded to this pandemic in our community. Beginning on January 3rd, the vaccine mandate will expand to include children ages 5 to 11. 
we will require proof of vaccination or a negative test at bars and restaurants and other locations for everyone ages five and older. Children ages five to 11 will be required to show proof of at least one vaccine dose. Beginning in February, the requirements will then expand to two doses. This is again being very proactive in our approach ahead of holiday season and before the start of the new year, letting you know what will be expected in Orleans Parish. You will also hear from Superintendent of our schools of Orleans, Par Orleans Parish, Dr. Henderson Lewis, who also will have, and they currently have my full support related to the changes that are coming at the school level. We stand united as we have demonstrated from the very start in our commitment to keeping our children protected and making our city the safest place to live as well as visit. The bottom line again, our people need to be vaccinated. Every single thing that that monster just said is a lie. Every single thing. She's not wearing a mask, by the way, either. The sign language interpreter standing next to her with her hands flailing around is not saying is is not wearing a mask either, and the two women behind them are wearing masks. So what what's going on here? Does anyone have a brain? Does anybody have a brain? The number of dead children, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be overwhelming. It's going to be overwhelming, which is again is another topic that countless New York City school districts were sending out emails saying that parents need to prepare themselves for possible heart attacks among their children. And to reassure the parents that we have a plan in place if your child were to drop dead of a heart attack or a stroke, and that we will do our best to get them medical attention if need be. Oh, by the way, vaccines are the best thing to prevent against COVID. Don't forget to get your vaccines. They're openly telling you that the vaccines kill people, and then they're telling you to go get the vaccines. I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Again, I'm sorry that this isn't a very positive episode, and sometimes these aren't, but I just don't, I don't know what else to say. People have got to create a parallel existence from all of this. They have to, or they will not survive. They have to distance themselves from this completely, or they will not survive. Buy a gun, buy ammo, storable food, storable water, warm clothes, you name it. Medicines, vitamins, minerals, keep them all in your home. Stock up as much as you possibly can. I, 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 don't, see, I don't see this system lasting much longer. I really, really don't. And I know that there's much more to discuss. There's lots of different other topics out there, but it's almost just too much to cover. But I'm going to try to get to more stuff on Wednesday. Fortunately, however, on a positive note, to end on this, countless individuals are protesting all across the world regarding all of this. The protests are ramping up as the lockdowns are also ramping up. Um, they know that Christmas is right around the corner, and they're doing whatever they can to lock down as many people as humanly possible. Just saw, too, that the Italian government apparently mandated the jabs for their military, and then wouldn't you know it, the place where they were holding all of the jabs was miraculously set on fire. I love it. People aren't taking this anymore. They're not taking it anymore. And again, the individuals that have walked away are already walking away or in the process of walking away from all of these nut jobs. 
who seek to just kill as many people as they possibly can, those individuals are going to be the freedom fighters moving forward here. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think that that number is growing. I really do. So with all that said, I'll catch you on Wednesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.